1: sugar good evening cerealites welcome to saturday morning cereal at night yep that's right everybody
0: it's the frankenberry season episode 2020 saturday morning cereal me i'm uh, i'm just your humble crip keeper dan grimshay Joining me, as always, via the spooky internet waves, Marky, are you out there in the ether? I'm here, everybody, and boo to you. <laughs> and boo to you, <laughs> sir. And I hope we get another big-ass boo from uh, Jimmy the Gentleszinski. Jimmy, Jimmy, can you chime in from beyond the void?
1: Blah, blah, blah. It's Jimmy the Gent. Blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> ah, some spiritual blah-blahs. Okay, we are gathered here, as is the custom of our uh, podcast coven, to uh, celebrate the Frankenberry season. Yes. Uh, that magical time of year, uh, mid-fall, mm-hmm. uh, as the leaves turn and the air crisps and uh colorful marshmallowed monster cereals adorn the target aisles. <laughs> I've got that right, Marky. That's
2: that's our source. That's where you get us the good stuff these days. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the day after Halloween so that I could go and stock up for the year. So I'm looking forward to that. Ah. I was wondering why all these monster cereal boxes you gave me
0: had the winter olympics on them.
1: <laughs> that narrows it down a bit.
0: They're very optimistic boxes. Yeah, yeah, And of course, long-time fans or just anyone who has been alive long enough in American culture to eat cereal will know. Of course, we're talking about the General Mills line of monster cereals. You got your Count Chocula, of course. He's the big daddy, I think. Yeah, I think so. I'm still convinced I see him year-round occasionally. You don't. Okay, yeah. well, then That's it's... That's a phantom. A, a, a Berenstain uh, a myth in my mm-hmm. mind. Uh, but you've also got your your Frankenberry, your, the, which is the strawberry marshmallow, sweetie. which is my favorite by far. You're uh-huh. a frank, You're you're a Frank. I am a Frankenberry. Yeah. Well known. That's why you call this the Frankenberry season, even
2: though market shares might dictate it be better. The Count Chocula season. Well, I'm also playing on the whole berry thing. You know, it's like a this is in season. You can't have a That's a, berry, chocolate that's a very good idea, season. Mark. But, you know, anyway, we're, we're this is just getting into the weeds right. a little bit at a, you know. Yeah. uh fair enough, but it's backstory that I think
0: new <laughs> listeners deserve and new listeners, if you're still on the line uh what you're gonna hear a little bit later is we've gone through the vaults and we've uh we've found some uh some old interviews from actually from two different years uh two thousand and seventeen and then two thousand and eighteen mm-hmm. from two of our ACE reporters, including uh James Lazinski. Here, uh, and and they're with the Stan Against Evil mm-hmm. guys, John McGinley and uh, Dana Gould. Right,
2: creator and star
0: yeah. of Stan Against Evil. Yeah. yeah, and and this is what we subjected you to this year. Again, long-time listeners know that we, we always make uh, Mark watch a horror movie with us. Which I hate. And he hates horror hate movies. Them. So once a year, he has no choice but to watch a horror movie <laughs> with us. But especially with the whole spooky social distancing <laughs> going on, figure it's easier. We assign him uh, like a, a TV show to watch. He, we, he got Stan Against, Stan against uh-huh. Evil. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, thank you. Uh, you
2: told me how relieved you were, Marky. Why is that? Oh, this year's been. Why is this horror better? This year has been scary enough. Why add to the pile? And uh, I was also looking for something so that uh this is this is Halloween with social distancing. there's no parties, there's no costume contests, there's no social drinking you're uh, speak for yourself, <laughs> I'll be judging you're hmm. by yourself. What can I watch? What can I do? That's Halloween at least Halloween adjacent. How could I enjoy Halloween well. I could watch. <laughs> Has this happened to you, dear listener? <laughs> I could watch a comedy horror movie or TV show or something like that. And stand against evil, uh, w- which uh, I've, I've watched about five of the episodes already in preparation of this, um, of this recording. And damn, it's funny. Damn. It's good. And it's a little spooky. It's the, so that's you know, what
0: that's what you like though. That it's the, Comedy, you've always been a fan Absolutely. of. And if it's funny, you'll even put up with what is, I think, technically
2: horror. Yeah. But horror by itself, jump scares. Don't like. Scary Ate stuff it. you don't nope. like. Ate it. Unnerves you. Don't like it. I don't like to be uncomfortable watching movies. And this one, you know, this particular, as an example of what I'm going for, Stand Against Evil is, it's like in the same line of like, uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Like it's, it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. It's light. It's got some blood and some gore and some makeup and some special effects and, you know, fangs and whatnot. But, but the, uh, the suspense isn't about dread.
0: It's about when's the punchline going to drop? Yeah, it's maybe, is that what you're, because I agree with you. I know what you're talking about. There's. Like, Scream came out years ago that was able to be meta and sort of bridge the line between right. horror movie, self-aware camp comedy, uh, and then it's exploded from there. There's
2: all kinds. of like you said, Buffy, yeah. which actually I think predates it. I think so, too, with the Paul Rubens vehicle. <laughs> yeah, the actual movie, yeah, the movie not one. the TV yeah, show, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, but there's, there's plenty of examples of this, which I'm sure we'll get into oh, as we geez. keep on going through this, uh, through this episode. But yeah, yeah th- but th- that was the feeling that I was relieved to, to, uh, to experience again in a time where it's just so dark anyway. This is, you know, everyone's afraid of a virus, um, the horror movie is outside, so on my TV, let's have something else. You know why not? <laughs> and this this one really did it. Um, and it's there's no new seasons, so you get to experience all of it. It's it lasted for three seasons from 2016 until uh, 16, 17, 18. Um, and uh, is that right, or is it 17, 18, 19? Uh, I forget. But anyway, it, it's. Um, no, it's sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, 17, 18. And I, yeah. yeah, but but it's
0: because uh, so, we have a rule here on the show where we let uh, interviews kind of cheese age on the shelf at least two years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now now it's ready. Yeah. Jimmy, you've actually been a fan of this show since the beginning, right? True. What did you think about it? <laughs> like, were you excited about it? Because you were at the roundtable in 2017, or were you just a fan of it before?
3: I had already been a fan of it, and I was excited to get a chance to talk to him. I've been a fan of Dana Gould, the producer, mm-hmm. uh, writer, director of many of the episodes.
2: He's a he's a stand-up comedian, right?
3: Yes, he is. Right? And he that has, guy, uh, right? I don't like to plug other podcasts except for the uh, Powcast, you know, which you can,
1: you
3: know, but, <laughs> which you can but, find uh, on this he has network. Dana Gould, Dana Gould has a really great po- podcast called uh, the Dana Gould hour. And he talked about it for some time on there. So that's where I had heard about it and then watched it and really, really enjoyed the first season. And then I was at Comic-Con SDCC 2017 at the round table for when they were pimping the second season. Mm-hmm. Uh but I was a big fan well before that. So I was I was really excited to get a chance to talk to him and I asked him about the practical effects. I got a, qu- a couple questions in. Yeah, that was a and actually that was my first very first ever 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 round table
1: it's,
0: and that that alone right there I think is reason enough to get it back out here,
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely, and uh, you know
0: we uh, and dana Gould, big good i yeah, I years ago I worked with him uh at the simpsons
2: oh that that, that was you yeah,
0: that's yeah. where you well with he them? was a writer at the time I was a viewer <laughs> we both we both worked very hard it takes both sides
2: to really yeah. make yeah. that work that's true writer it's, and know, viewer. It's very synergistic. <laughs> it was yeah. a collaborative thing
3: when television was, was the was point. <laughs> Well, you neither one
2: of you guys would have a job
3: if it yeah. wasn't for the other one.
2: <laughs> well, and of course, uh, we all know of John C. McGinley. Uh, I first got to know him because I was really into Vietnam movies when I was a kid, like really into it. I was oh, all about like missing an action, Braddock, that. missing an action, Rambo, you in the yeah, shit, man. Um, and John C. McGinley had a very memorable role in Platoon. You guys remember Platoon? Yeah. Anybody? Platoon? Anybody? I've heard of it.
3: When did that come out? You heard about this platoon <laughs> an, in the
2: news? Do we have an interview from that ready to roll out? We do not, but uh yes. John C. McGinley played, it was he was a very memorable role. Like one of the like when I think of Platoon, I think of his particular character, like at the very end, he's just he doesn't want to be there like anybody does, but he's just like He's a survivor. He's had enough of this garbage. What's his line? Give it to me. He literally pulls a dead body on top of him for the last battle and just lays underneath him so that when the Vietnamese come around, they think he's, you know, just among the dead. Uh, A Real weaselly way to get out. (laughs) But I I remember his character so well, you know, and that was... My God, what year was that movie? That was in the late 80s? 85? Yeah, 86,
0: 87, perhaps. One of them One of them Oscar years in the 86. 80s. 86. It was 86, yeah. Uh, I think, and a lot of people listening would definitely remember him from his role in Scrubs.
2: Well, yes, That's I was getting That's probably what to he's that. synonymous yeah. with
0: uh, yes. as of now. Aside, of course, from Stand Against Evil.
2: Well, and you know, uh, Scrubs is... It's one of those shows that I still, you know, I've probably I can't get have seen, I've seen it, <laughs> I've seen it, I've seen every season, I've seen that show from beginning to end at least 10 times through, right? You know, it's The Office, uh, Parks and Rec, Scrubs, I think those are the three sitcoms that I have watched over and over and over again. John C. McGinley is a very important part of my cultural dynasty. Well, he's hey, yeah, he's also there. right in that wheelhouse, right there. He's in. He, don't forget about Wall Street. He was in Point Break.
3: He was one of the FBI dudes in Point Break.
2: Yep, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Here, yeah. no guy, uh, He's,
0: he's. I'm sure no, uh, no, no slouch. He's more famous than you are, probably. Absolutely. If you're listening, uh, I promise.
3: Uh, oh, yeah, d- be careful. Tread lightly. He was also in. Um, <laughs> Now I'm going to throw two of my favorite roles of his, of mine, right, I said yeah. that correctly or incorrectly. Like, Do you remember him in The Rock, where he was Captain Hendricks? I don't, but I've seen that movie, and I can see him in uniform. Okay, uh-huh. okay. all right. Well, what about Office Space?
2: Uh-oh. Yes. Oh, for yes. sure. Bob's yeah. Yeah. yeah, he uh, was the guy. He's one of the Bobs? He's one of the Bobs? Yeah, yep. he's one of the Bobs. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. My God, that's a big role. Well, Peter... Seems like you've been missing some work.
3: <laughs> I can't say yes. as I've been missing it, Bob.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just loves him. He just, yeah. He's just so yeah. all, yeah, he's just all about I've got to tell you. <laughs> this guy's got management material all over <laughs> him. Written yeah. All, yeah. I'm going to have to go ahead and
0: disagree with you there,
2: Bob. Well, let's
0: talk about these TPS reports. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot okay. how.
0: Big to, cultural cred there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so so anyway, that's John C. McGinley and Dana Gould. And you're gonna hear more from them later. Right. So tuck we're gonna that bring away, you, listeners. Uh,
2: we're Pretty gonna fast. bring you a montage. Yeah. A montage of interviews from these two guys a little bit later.
0: But I think I think it is fascinating, Marky, how you hate, and this is appropriate that you should cringe at horror. And a lot yeah. of there are a lot of horror fans in the world. So I think oh, yeah. you get what it is other people get about horror, but it doesn't do the same thing for you. However, you make it funny. You're all in, you don't care. It's a comedy to you. And it's worth noting that psychologically, there's a lot in common between like being scared and uh, laughing and being amused by something because it's the same basic thing. There is tension until there's release. Right. Like people um, who love horror can't wait for the moment after they scream. It feels so good. I, I've i got a good friend that I love watching horror movies with because she falls for every jump scare and then immediately laughs, laughs at her at, at the top of her lungs for about 10 seconds afterwards. Yeah. It's like a range of emotions. And that's. It's so these are these are extremely similar things even though they have what feels like different uh you know reactions.
2: You you mean a scare and a laugh, yes. right? It's yeah, it, like it's kind of taking you to the cliff
0: or closer than a laugh and a cry. Yeah, I uh, would agree. A laugh and a burp. A laugh I I didn't come prepared with enough like emotional
2: responses. Well, and I think that it, you know, and I, this is, this all goes back to cartoons, you know, and it's why I was such a fan. It always does. And uh, this is, this is Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was (laughs) this style, right? It was the, you know, it was actually, they all rode in the mystery machine and there was always ghosts. But the ghosts were never real. It was always just some old crank dressed as a ghost,
0: yeah, and you right? had like the three of them you know, your fred your your velma your uh 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 what's her name who were they were the skeptics right, well, uh, they were the Scullies, and they said, no, 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 we're gonna keep going further into this supposed haunted mansion, and then you had. You know, Scooby and Shaggy, Scooby and Shaggy, who never learned from experience that there is no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> yeah. They were constantly running away from something. <laughs> they, they were absolute believers. And they were. Yeah. Oh, and, oh. and, um, they, and they were and the and ones even, we were allowed to, like, be like, OK, laugh because it is scary. Right. Yeah. They
2: were a pressure elite. I didn't I never really broke it down that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um the only way that this. Genre really works And you can go um, What's the Simon Pegg one? Oh, the Shaun of the Dead Shaun another of the Dead is another example of it uh, And the only Way that this works Is if when you're watching the movie All of the characters that are in it Stand against evil It's, it's the same thing Every character In it has to be completely Serious about where they are And with what's going on there's, you know, there, like whatever is happening, it's real to them. And that's what makes it so funny because it's it's ridiculous what is happening. You know, if you really think about it, a vampire is ridiculous. <laughs> There's, you know, it's silly. He drinks blood and he gets burned by the sun. It's silly. It shouldn't be scary. It's, It's weird. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense. And the way that they take it so seriously, if you go to uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, everybody takes it seriously. And because of that, that, that kind of relief, whether it's fear or it's laughter, comes out. And it's because everybody is just in it. Uh, and that's what makes it work. Uh, and that's what I really liked about Stand Against Evil as an example of this genre. It's about the, the believability that is seen in that universe. Thats the more seriously the universe is taken,
0: right by the show, and I think you know I got to, one of, probably the most one of the most popular shows of the past year has been uh the what we do in shadows, uh-huh, which spends a lot of money building out this world, which is droll, it is a world where vampires do exist, and they actually do have to murder people, suck their blood, they have familiars. All, all the rules hold up, but it's Turn very troll comedy. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so, so funny. It's one of the funniest things ever. I love that movie, and the show is just as good. Yeah. And it absolutely is soaked in horrifying things, but then there's this human undercutting, compassionate edge that somehow turns it into a punchline. Hmm. It's some sort of magic that only exists because of the genre of horror yeah yeah
2: it's this and i don't even say the same for
0: comedy it it, comedy would exist without horror no problem
2: yeah it's this it's this way to kind of live in it without without the scare uh and it's the part that i appreciate the most because i don't like being scared i really (laughs) just don't like it It, it doesn't uh it doesn't appeal to me generally speaking and apparently it's something so simple. Like I am thinking of Shaun of the
0: dead where their uh, their best friend, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Peter Sarah, Sarah, if I recall correctly is zombified, breaks into their bar. They're hiding out in, and they have to wrestle with him, uh, and bring his corpse down in close contact as a group. Uh, but the soundtrack happens to be a uh, queen playing in the background. Yeah. And it, makes it like an iconically hilarious scene. But if you had different music or just even better yet, you know, saving private Ryan style, no music, just the raw visceral sound of men trying to kill each other. Yeah. You know, then it's horrible. Different
2: world. All
0: it takes is just the right soundtrack.
2: Yeah. And I, I think it, um, it, it also kind of lends itself into um those like the it can kind of morph into the anthology horror movies as well you know like your twilight zones and um tales creep from show. the dark side creep show you know these things can kind of morph um morph into that where it's 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 even getting closer and closer into the frights of it, not just in the laughs of it. So you, there's there's a lot of gray in this genre. You know, you can it's just there's something in it for everybody. There's really, really, really silly, and it gets into the getting into the kind of scary realm a little bit. But it all starts from Scooby Doo. <laughs> you know, that trained us from a really young age to appreciate this type of entertainment.
0: Well, and, I don't know. Now I'm going to throw out the monsters. I don't know which one came oh, first. Oh, I
2: love the monsters! Absolutely, this is an example of the monsters. And then Absolutely. if if you like the monsters,
0: and we got to go back to uh, uh, like Abbott and Costello meet the Wolf mm-hmm. Man and yeah. stuff. So actually, turns out if we'd only done a little research, we'd realize this is a very old phenomenon. <laughs>
2: yeah, Abbott and Costello meet the meet the mummy is. It's one of the most successful examples of this. Absolutely. And they they, they would just stick. Yeah, they would just stick Oops. Abbott and Costello versus Dracula, Abbott and Costello versus Frankenstein. And it would just do this. And it was just a uh, it was just a way for them to get Abbott and Costello running away and being silly. Right. That was just a way to get them moving oh. around. Well, I think, but, yeah, I think that's even being generous. I have a feeling it was just the two most. Uh,
0: valuable properties at Universal oh. at the time. And they said, all right, right. put them on the same soundstage. We don't need a writer. Yeah, correcto. <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> there they go. It worked. There was you know the horror chocolate and the comedy peanut butter. <laughs> boom, bada, boom. Here we go. Yeah, man, I think that's it. I think you nailed it. Oh, yeah. And I heard Jimmy mention Young Frankenstein. I can't believe we didn't bring oh that God. up yet. Awesome movie. That's a fucking perp. It was Mel Brooks sending up the, the horror genre. Yep. And now it is like it stands on its own.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of it's the like greatest. It's one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest. It's one of the greatest comedies of all time. Quite, you know, that's arguably. Oh, right? boy. You don't think so? <laughs> well, Jimmy gives it an
0: oiga vault, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This guy.
3: Yeah, I I think you're greatest right. Greatest of all time. Everything. Greatest of all time. I said I, one of, I, one of. I think. Uh, uh, well, sure. What I mean, every, all of them are one of
2: them. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> They're all on a list of comedies of all time. I mean, yeah. where do you put Porky's? <clears throat> I mean, is it in there? Porky's? Yeah. Is, is, oh, sure. Is, is Porky's up there with Young Frankenstein?
3: I'd have to rewatch it, but I have. I remember laughing hysterically. That's the first time. Porky's like uh, seeing that at a theater uh, was the first time I can remember being at a theater and not being able to breathe from not from laughing. Okay, never mind. I don't want to get <laughs> but into I was a Porky's only, like...
2: conversation.
3: <laughs> See, I I my memory of Porky's
0: uh, uh just to take us further into the weeds is uh, I was at the age where I saw the big ad in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Now they used to advertise movies with the little hole big, in like, the. M- like, they had the entire poster on several pages of the newspaper, yeah, like right. every Friday or something. And I remember seeing that one and begging my mom to take me to see it because I assumed it was Porky from,
1: you Porky know, pig?
0: the WB. Ah. Uh, yibby, and she yibby, kept yibby, saying, yibby, no, awful. it's not what you think. I'm like, no, it's a, because one of the posters, it was actually not Porky Pig, but a cartoon pig of some kind. I'm like, no, look, I can read. It says
3: Porky's mom. Oh, the neon font. sign from the from the Porky's well, bar. Well,
2: just to uh, just to just to just to just to pull this train back on the tracks.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Enough so, Porky's talk. God so, damn it! Stop, uh, Jimmy. Porky's so, three zombie invasion. You didn't see that one.
2: What, <laughs> so <laughs> so say check that. it out, check, uh, you guys. uh check it. Check. John Landis did American Werewolf in London. Oh, I think God. he did it in Another L.A. Good one. <laughs> but it took it takes place in london right am i not uh you're right
0: no they're on the moors i think they actually filmed there yes
2: yeah um but that's a perfect example of this like where you get one of the greatest uh uh comedy writer directors and he does a horror movie that's one of the early examples of this genre would you agree or or do you guys think that yeah. that leads that that tilts a little too much into the horror um, area. That one
0: definitely is darker than a lot of what we're talking about, but not, but I would just say it's a darker example of it. It has still got enough, like, comedy in there. Like, after his, you know, uh, uh what's his, Griffin Dunn's character is, like, dismembered, uh-huh. covered in gore and blood, and then they end up sitting there and having, like, a ten-minute conversation to the point where they're ignoring the fact that he's a dismembered, reanimated corpse or whatever. Hallucination. Like that's where it starts to veer into It is not it takes its own world seriously, but it's saying you don't have to take it that seriously. And that's I think what you mean when it takes the edge off of you as a viewer, you can laugh instead of scream. Right. they're so like
2: we'll take this seriously.
0: You don't have to.
2: Well, I, I just remember in that like in in that in that specific movie how there was just like a lot of these like silly little asides. Like there was like, like, you know, he was, I mean, I haven't seen this movie in 30 years maybe, but I just kind of remember where there's like a jump fright, but he ends up kind of talking to him. Or it, like, it kind of takes you up to fright, but it kind of gets into mundane and it just kind of turns you, it kind of yeah, turns things exactly. around. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Like after he his character gets killed, then he suddenly like shows up on his doorstep. Yeah, And it's totally freaky and he wants to talk and he's all shredded up, obviously dead. (laughs) But then they end up like it's such a long talk, like such a character driven kind of crazy (laughs) talk that, yeah, by the end, it doesn't matter that he's like that. I so, know. yeah, that's exactly what I think what you mean, like where they, they
2: prove they're taking the world seriously. So you don't have to. Right. Now, and, let, and, now
0: hear the story.
2: And it's also like this is another example, too, of how uh, this this particular this this accomplished guy, John Landis, who I've met and I, I actually have. It's one of my proudest pictures. I met him at Comic-Con and I, I asked and. It's one of Ooh, my favorite Mark, pictures. I think you dropped this over here. It says John Landis. Uh, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I absolutely love this guy. Same. um, but it's just. Uh, uh, what the hell? Is Where the hell was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> you just threw me off. You were get, you were let's lathering just, up just John just Landis's balls. let cut to when you're
0: in John Landis's hot tub and he tells you you got what it takes, kid.
2: Well, like it, it just. All um, right. It. It just American it, Werewolf in London three. You're my guy. It,
3: it, I just it, need you to reach <laughs> under these bubbles. Very it just takes marking. somebody
2: that is just so wickedly talented to like all of a sudden get into this kind of other genre than what he's known for, and he takes it into this other level. I mean the the like werewolf morphing, the the human morphing into a werewolf. The first time that that was really realized in a film was on American Werewolf in London. This comedic director Ooh. took this and made a werewolf happen, you know, where he famously takes the hair and he films it like in reverse, pulling through the skin, you know, and it looks like it's growing. Oh, I know. I mean, He's he definitely,
0: gets shots. although pound for pound, minute for minute, for my money, in a horror comedy, werewolf transformation payoff scene, Teen Wolf still gets it. Teen Wolf? It's close. Oh, my God. Wolf I did even. I, I think that's got it. Yeah, you're, you're right there. In fact, I'm not sure if there ever were any horror movies. Has it always just been horror comedy?
2: And you just don't know <laughs> how to watch Wolf. it, Mark? Oh,
0: my God. Anyway, before we blessed. get any deeper, speaking of great horror comedies, you guys heard about this stand against evil? Because uh-huh. okay. I got some I... interviews, and let me tell you. The Magic Interview Machine is just a rarin' and a chugging. you guys want to hear them? I know I do. Yes, oh. I do. Because I've uh, only heard half of them. Well, this, is, <laughs> it doesn't get to, this doesn't get any more enthusiastic than that for two-and-a-half-year-old interviews. So, Magic Interview Machine, let's get in the way back, machine, and get back there.
4: Meanwhile, it stands great. I agree.
5: We all What's your favorite thing
4: about playing Stan? Just he's the least full of shit person I've ever met. And so whereas Dr. Cox is a little full of himself and full of shit, Stan's not. Stan's a damaged guy. He's wounded. His wife just died. He got fired from his job at 27 years. The two things that grounded him on the planet are gone. And so he's injured. And so it's fun to explore injured men.
3: How much uh, method acting is involved in uh, hanging out in the lounge chair and drinking beer? It's not something I'm unfamiliar
4: with. (laughs) It would be a rocking chair for me, but uh, I'm not unfamiliar with that. I think I'm a little more physically active than Stan is. I think Stan's tired. He's tired. He's tired. I've been a cop in New England for
3: 27 years. He's mm-hmm. tired. Uh, when my dad retired from being a cop, that's all he did was sit in a chair and watch TV. So it's pretty... It's, I don't think that's unreasonable. No. You've seen a lot, right? Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. And he didn't go out on his terms. He went out being fired. Mm-hmm. And all of us, I, don't, I can't say that, but some of us have been fired from different jobs, whether you know it was a high school summer job or whatever. Most of us have been fired from something, and
5: it sucks. Mm-hmm.
4: And there's no way you can't look at the man in the mirror every morning and go like,
5: Fuck, I suck. I oh, can't believe I got fired.
4: That's not it. You bring that. You bring that. And so that's a, I don't think he went out on his own terms. When you
1: first saw a script and you're having this conversation with Dana, what sold you on, on the
4: project? Um, what sold me was something that I wanted Dana to mine, and it was Stan's loss. And the loss is that we find out in the first four minutes of the first episode that his wife's been killed, uh, or dead, he doesn't know killed or dead, um, and he's lost his job of 27 years, and his life is largely done, and he just says, I want to sit in my chair and do nothing, and I can't even do that. And so I said to Dana, I said, I think you're missing an opportunity here. What's interesting about this guy is loss, and we're all familiar with loss, I don't care if somebody took your the ball away from you in the playground, it's part of the human condition and I said I understand the tone of the piece and I did clearly right up front I said but you got to explore Stan's loss otherwise I don't want to do it Uh, and he didn't realize that he had already put that all on the page great writers don't realize it and I said, you're the one who put this on the- I didn't have anything to do with it, but you're missing Stan's loss. That's all that matters to me is him reconciling his loss. All this other shit that you layer on top is, will be funny if it's a guy trying to reconcile loss. He hadn't left this town in 27 years. he had been married to the same woman. He's been no hanky panky. He's probably never taken his gun out of his belt. This has been a good job for 27 years. It's defined him. Now he has no definition and has no grounding. That's your hero? I want to watch that guy, but we gotta dig into him. And so that's what attracted me to it. And so it was a leap of faith that the that the executive producer would dig into that. And and he did. And and now it's yielded to
2: dividends. What have been some of your inspirations for the show? You guys are like one of the more fun horror shows out there right now. Thank so what saying. kind of inspires you a little?
5: Well, I was, you know, I'm a comedy writer and I'm a comedian, but I grew up loving horror movies there. Like, I used to say, they're my footballer. That's what I'm into. And uh, Stan Against uh, Evil is really influenced the most by the stuff that I was taking in as a kid, and that's like the show Dark Shadows, the show shack the Night Stalker, a lot of these sort of uh, 70s era stuff, and there's a real night gallery, there's a very 70s vibe to the show. And then, you know, later on, uh, as you get, as I get older, then other things like uh, there's a lot of puffy, there's a lot of um, Hellraiser, there's uh, things that I sort and, uh, was into as I get older. There's a lot of Twin Peaks and and uh, Stand Against Evil. Uh, people might not realize it, but it's it's just stuff that I like. And, uh, but I, I would say, if anything, if it uh, if, if Stranger Things is really uh, if, if Stranger Things is set in the 80s, then then stand Sole is in the 70s. Although it kind of takes place in a in a timeless kind of genre.
3: I want to ask, uh, did, like the creature and effect design of all the, I really enjoy the practical effects yeah. and hard hard camera effects. Uh, how much are you involved with the design of those? Do you say, I want to wear a pony and then they bring you drawings or is it That's I want to wear a pony? That's basically
5: it. Okay. Our uh, effects crew, um, uh, autonomous effects, uh, you know, we're all we're all the same person. You know, we all grew up watching creature features. We all would be here at Comic Con if we weren't mm-hmm. here for work. we be here for fun. Uh, you know, we go to Monster Palooza. We're all the same guys, so I can say we all want to. The reason the monsters are practical is that's the fun part: is making a monster. You know, and we can get really obscure. I mean, like you know, it should have an "it conquered the world" kind of feel to it, and they know what I'm talking about. And. Um, I think that uh, the reason the show works is because the effects are, by and large, practical with with digital cleanup, Uh, because your eye will tell you, your eye always knows, with very few exceptions, Mm -hmm. you always know. And for comedy to work, you know, comedy and horror have to coexist. Laughing and screaming are cousins. They're both involuntary reflexes that release tension and you have to be very careful because if I have a great digital creature but you know in your mind it, you know in your guts that it's digital you can't be funny with it because now you're out of reality and comedy works in reality so to me all the air goes out of the balloon the reason the American World of London works the reason John Carpenter's The Thing still works is because all that stuff is really there and your eye doesn't Agreed, Yeah. 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 Uh, which is not to say War for the Planet of the Apes didn't knock my socks off because it did um you know, it's to me. I like I like having the goo cannon. I like yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I like blowing stuff up. <laughs> and, uh, that's why you have a show. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey. Hey. Getting pretty sick of talking about myself. No,
2: wow. oh, I'm sure you are. I mean, obviously, being a comedian
0: to writer, um, and Sanders table comes out a few years ago, and I see actor yeah. yeah. producer Danico, I went. Mean. All
1: right, I'm, I'm in. But <laughs> I do comedy, more, i a yeah, comedy aspect, but I've been
5: a fan of like the kind of horror genre. Oh, all my life, all my life. Much earlier than me being a comedy geek, I was a complete horror movie nerd. Like, I was getting Famous Monsters magazine when I was, I think I got the first issue when I was 10. Uh, like, I grew up watching, my older brothers watched Dark Shadows. So I was watching Dark Shadows and I was really little, like four, five, six. I barely remember it, but my mother says, No, you sat down and watched. It you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and,
0: outside digging holes and it came in.
5: yeah, that was my it was my sports. Uh, horror movies and sci fi movies are always my sports, and uh, I always wanted to do a horror movie or a, or a horror show, but it couldn't not be funny because that's what I do. Uh, and you know, it took me a long time to come up with the idea that was right in my face, which was do a funny horror show, and it can be done. Uh, it's uh, this show is. Yeah, yeah, it has, it has, yeah, and and I think like it's it's really if you know I, I think the show has a lot more in common with an American Werewolf in London than it has with uh, Evil Dead just in terms of the the tone and how we do the comedy but I you know, I love it I'm a big fan of it I like J- I like James Bond and Jason Bourne I like them both um, and I think that it's uh, you know I. I, I If if Evil Dead is the Three Stooges in a horror movie, then this is the Cullen Brothers make a horror movie. Favorite creature homage. Oh yeah! Absolutely! Yeah, absolutely! Uh, uh, Dave. We have a go, we have a we have a Godzilla st- homage episode where uh, we have the Mothra twins and they're uh, astonishing. They're astonishing. I can show you a photo of them on my phone. Tell about them talking. Yeah. They play uh, my. Uh, yeah. We have the Mothra twins and what the actresses did was. They learned their dialogue wrong so that when we loop it, the lips won't match. Oh. Yeah, they're that good. Wow. They're that good. And, uh, and what happens is that Dave Keckner turns into a creature called the Kenny Pillar. That's, uh, the, I think, the best creature we've ever done. If you, I can show you.
1: Give me that commercial.
5: Count chocolate and frankenberry meat. The fruity
1: yummy. It's new fruity yummy mummy cereal. Big yummy marshmallows, so monstrously big there. Monster mellows with yummy mummy, monster mellows. Fruity yummy mummy, makes your tummy go
2: yummy. (laughs) Monster mellows in Frankenberry, Count Chocula, and now new fruity yummy mummy cereal. Part of this complete breakfast
1: makes your tummy go yummy.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love this time of year. Oh, and what Shattering. year that was with Monster Mellows? Uh, I forget about those. Yeah, that was uh, Yummy Mummy, which was it's still uh, those are hard to find. They don't they don't come out with those every year. I don't think there's any available this year. It's, uh, no Yummy Mummy made it to production this year for the monsters. Uh, huh? Not that I'm aware of. I haven't been to Target. Oh. I usually go again. I go. Uh, uh, I'm going to start picking my Frankenberries tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> November first. <laughs> I bet.
0: I bet you are. Yeah.
2: Yep, yep. I stock up. I wait till it goes on clearance, and then you you know I try to pick up. I'm not. You know. I'm. I'd say I probably pick up five to six boxes of Frankenberry. You're gonna you're gonna be able to get some Booberry? Yeah, yeah, I they? usually like to throw in at least a box or two of Booberry and Count Chocula. Although I'm a I just love Frankenberry. It's. Yeah. So, what's your ratio to boxes of
0: Frankenberry? Five to one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a solid five to one. So, you could potentially be picking up 10 boxes of Frankenberry. Yeah. And then one box. Two boxes of chocolate, two boxes of Booberry. And I'm good. Uh, do you think they're going to have Yummy any? Mommy?
2: Do they have it this year? Have you been to Target?
3: Jimmy, have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I've been sending you guys crazy pictures. I've had. I know. I've but got do it they on have my yummy mummy counter right now? I had boob. I had well, send them to the listeners. Uh, I had count chocula, which it really isn't my favorite. I'm not a chocolatey guy. I like berry stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then we also got the Frankenberry, and we also had some sort of really weird bastard abomination to God that was. Uh, fruit Loops, but it was called like Scary Loops or Halloween uh, Loops. Get that out of here! I'm had, not like, going to hear that. This. this is this mushroom is a or, uh, take marshmallow that to another ghosts, show, please. And... Oh, <laughs> mushroom. Ghost I feel like we need to address million. all the Halloween cereals since we're talking about <laughs> well, it. Well,
0: this is no because Fruit Loops is sir, that's uh, I believe is Post, so it is not under the General Mills Monster Cereal umbrella. This is a General Mills house.
3: General Mills puts food on this table,
0: boy. Yeah, well, I'm gonna talk about general. When it comes to Frankenberry season, this is the core group the universal monsters, right? Uh, the werewolf, the mummy, the Frankenstein's monster, the vampire. Uh, Booberry, I don't know,
2: just a generic ghost. It's just a ghost. I
0: don't know if Universal really had a
2: ghost. Yeah, I think he he is. He's definitely he looks like Casper, but he's not Casper. You know, he's a little bit, uh, a little bit more wicked, right? A little bit more of a troublemaker. I feel like
3: he's. Maybe an extension of the Invisible Man a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of that. I could hear that. A little bit. Yeah, A little but, bit. But Invisible Man berries, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> might, <laughs> might not be a good big seller. It's I don't better know, than man
1: Invisible man. That's, that's what
0: we get for turning Jimmy's mic back on.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: by the way, speaking of which, Jimmy, uh, great job. First round table of your professional career. That uh, was my first. I think yeah. even you were you were just like a young spec reporter then working, but uh, uh, contracted by Bleeding Cool
3: that year. somehow. I don't, You weren't part of the prestigious Matty P network then. Not as of yet. I was still working my way up the ranks, and uh, that was I had already done WonderCon, but that was my first uh, SDCC covering for Bleeding Cool. And that was my happened to be, I want to say, on a Thursday, maybe. And it, so that was my very first roundtable. First first chance I got to uh, interact with the stars, the celebs, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been a big fan of Dana Gould. And I was really, uh, really excited to get a chance to, to talk to him or just, you know, to be in the, next to him, because I've been a fan of his f- since childhood uh, mm-hmm. on The Simpsons and whatnot uh but then i even got a couple questions in at the table i was just beside myself as giddy and yeah. uh so that that you know a lot of times um that helps me enjoy the show a little bit more you know what i mean you know uh i feel a little bit closer to the to the production of it uh but but even without that i love the first season before i even thought i had a whisper talking to the dude yeah
2: oh yeah i've been a fan Top-notch of his talent. i I remember him as a stand-up comedian. I don't know if that's a real memory or not. Is that was he a stand-up yeah, comedian? He was. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I I kind of remember him from the 80s and uh like uh like like probably mid to late 80s is I was what I'm going to guess cuz that's kind of when I remember being a fan of those like HBO comedy specials and stuff. That's where you that's at least that's where I got the chance to first be exposed. And I want to say he did a James Dean thing like he do. uh, I'm trying to remember one of his bits like he'd kind of do, uh, you know, he'd turn around and then pull his hair straight back and do a James (laughs) Dean impersonation.
2: Uh, Yeah, I could see it.
3: But that's the best I got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's good enough for me. I'll tell you that right now. So that's the many faces
2: of maybe or maybe not Dana Gould. Yeah. Uh John C McGinley, I'm sure you were excited about being next to him. That's a big right. name. Yeah.
3: Like uh like I mentioned, uh, I'm a big fan of Office Space, but I was really kind of thinking of that show um Stand Against Evil and Scrubs were the two things that were going yeah. through my head when I was talking to him and he was he's pretty intense in person. He was he 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 has a present. he carves a seat at the table as as some people
2: like to say <laughs> there there's this um there there's this he looks t- taut chiseled yes. and taut all the yeah, time He's very this. taut yeah uh i i also think about uh about both of these guys is that they will they will work until they drop dead these guys are always going to have work mm-hmm. yeah, nothing that's what, that's will stop these does guys. Yeah, I just think, like, they're, they are they are so good at what they do, and they're obviously very committed to what they do. There's nothing going to stop these two people from constantly working. So if you don't know who John C. McGinley are I mean, or Dana the Gould pandemic. are, if you don't know them, you'll see them in something pretty damn soon because <laughs> they're not stopping. These guys yeah, are on a mission. If, if they're... 30 to
0: 40 year long careers at this point. Haven't touched you. Yo. Well, you are a troglodyte. I don't know how you found this show to be quite honest with you. Yeah. We should be far lower on your radar than Dana Gould. I know. Get They're out the... there more. That's my advice to you on this Frankenberry season. And that's from the heart. Me, Dan Grimshay to you, the listener. Speaking of it's Frankenberry season, everybody, and we cannot do a Frankenberry episode without a little, uh, monster piece theater or Saturday have? morning serial playhouse. playhouse. Yeah. It is very difficult to remember what we've branded this segment, but it's a long <laughs> running one.
3: Do we have theme music? Yes. For that?
2: This goes back. Uh, this goes back three years, maybe where we started doing this and, maybe uh, more. might even be older than stand against evil.
0: Uh, it feels like, uh, since time immemorial, and, as always, brought to you by Pemberton. Uh, but, yes, it all started uh, some 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 years back when uh, we ran out of actual uh, good uh, uh, monster cereal commercials to play in the interstitial. <laughs> but there was one that we found the script for mm-hmm. uh, that involved Fruit Brute. And it was yes. the only thing we could find. We couldn't actually find the actual commercial. So we said, well, screw it. We got the script. Let's produce it ourselves.
2: Yeah, we did so a radio we went drama from
0: there. Yeah, we did that a couple times, and then we realized we look back. It turns out there's a long history. The General Mills themselves, working with Pemberton back in back in the old days,
5: Big were producers. actually trying
0: to bring yeah. these monster cereals, you know, to the public. They wanted they were going to be the first studio to do an extended cinematic universe.
2: Yeah, they had a lot of specs. They they were they were buying specs spec strip uh, spec scripts like th- all over Hollywood for yep. years. Snatching them up left yeah. and right, yeah. you know, cuz yep. they
0: have this stable of of, uh, of, of festive uh, animated anthropomorphic uh, monster beings. Right. Like Why before Scorsese to make a could get of the, on
2: before it? Scorsese could get his hands on things, like they yep. would they would just buy up that script they actually, believe it or
0: not, they talked with Scorsese. I don't know if you remember last year's uh gem that we found in the archives. Uh You can go listen to it yourselves at home. Please yeah, do. Uh, As always, we'll wait. Yep, go and ahead. And here we go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh But if, instead of Scorsese, apparently they actually got a young, hot, up-and-coming director back in the 70s by the name of Walter Hill. Oh, I know him. You know him. and uh, now, I, know him. I know
2: you would definitely know him, Marky, Uh huh. Because he, he did Forty Eight Hours. He did four, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. He did Forty Eight Hours. Oh my God, I love that guy. Uh, he also did. Um, <laughs> not sure if you knew, but he he also did uh, uh, one of my favorites, Brewster's Millions. Mm. That's a good one.
0: That's Switched a great to one.
2: to comedy. Great one. He did Red Heat, which is the Schwarzenegger vehicle. Yep, that was a good one. I, I think it, I think there was a Belushi in there. Pretty sure
0: there uh, was. They did <laughs> have to fill
2: that other, yeah. That yeah. other seat with someone. <laughs> but he also kind did. Oh, scary. my God. This guy did the Warriors like pop culture. Oh, you the, know what? Like, I'm glad you mentioned
0: that, Marquis, because the Warriors has a bit of a twisted history. And that is where our favorite monsters come in. Ah, This is one of those deeply buried gems in Hollywood lore. And I did some digging. Okay. and i found out now there's always been the rumor going about that they originally brought walter hill in to jump start their cinematic universe and they were you know they wanted to launch the monsters first but also in the same film, introduce a bunch of other serial mascots, and they were going to do, you know, phase one, two, three. They were beating Marvel to the punch by decades.
2: Yeah, like uh, like Tony the Tiger and the Lucky Charms guy. and, and Yes, and, yeah. they were all going to have
0: their own spin-off, oh, origin wow. stories, solo, and then team-ups. They were going to just, uh, they would have been printing money. I had no idea. And they brought, the, and they had this uh, hot, you know, it was going to be a gritty urban drama and they were they brought in Walter Hill to direct this action piece uh and they had of course and, and it was uh it was if you've seen the warriors a lot of this is going to start sounding familiar and i won't bore you with all the plot details but mm-hmm. they sank you know at the time like close to 10 million dollars into Whoa. this and that's big that's a big budget back then yeah in the 70s i'm sure they had this thing almost filmed And I'm going to tell you, the rumors, I think, are true because, believe it or not, in the Pemberton archives, I was able to find another. uh, It looks like this is just a a rough cut of a teaser trailer that they made during production. And you can see the cracks forming because, oh, our friend Count Chocula, turns out he is a Val Kilmer level diva. (laughs) And the rumors always have been, and I think we will find some evidence in tonight's airing of this previously never heard clip of the teaser trailer that it was basically Count Jocula's fault. The yeah. whole plan was scrapped.
2: Yeah, never trust anybody with a collar that that wide. <laughs> that, <Yeah. it's, laughs> that, it's... That, that guy is hiding something down there. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: full of himself. And I love me a Count Jocula as much as the next guy who takes a very dark-colored poop the next day. But... He is, uh, I'm just glad I never had to work with him. That's all I'll say. I can't wait to hear this. Please, please play this. All right. Before I let rip on this, uh, explosive new, uh, found, uh, footage, tape, audio, audio. Whatever, yeah, sure. Uh, I just want to say again from the bottom of my heart, listeners, thank you for joining us. Frank Barry season is a very special time of year for us. Uh, we're glad you're sharing it with us this year, especially uh, if you can't go trick-or-treating, you can always come to our podcast, Porch Step, and <laughs> we've got this bland homemade candy we're giving out. But you can have a whole hour and a half of it. No problem.
2: Popcorn balls for everybody. Oh, good yes. Lord. Uh, please, everybody, be, be safe, be well, and remain strong. Happy Frankenberry season.
3: Wear a mask. Whatever a mask. Whether it's Halloween or any other day. <laughs> or if you're like me, you're dressed like Batman, just sitting around in your bat Cave, dressed like Batman all day, wear a mask. And I also think uh, maybe whatever you, uh, whoever you support, go out and vote.
0: Vote. <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's play it, Monsterpiece Theater. Welcome, dear listeners, to Pemberton's secret vault that no one should listen to. But since you're here, as always... It's brought to you by Pemberton, makers of Dr. Pemberton's Miracle Stool Stain. Are those marshmallow cereals giving you the rainbow runs? Well, don't feel a fool for your Frankenstool. Just tighten that technical taint and remember that Dr. Pemberton is here to help. The next time you look down, you'll be seeing Brown. Bamberton. General Mills Studios presents The Monsters. A monster serial extended cinematic universe production. Director Walter Hill. Teaser trailer, take one.
1: These are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Tigers. We're great. The Captains.
0: Dry up, you soggies. The Bedrock Pebbles. I'll die before I let you have any pebbles, Barney. The Snap, Crackle, and Poppers.
1: Representing SCP, Holmes.
0: The Gramercy Lucky Charmers. We're magical and vicious, and these are the monsters.
5: They're a heavy outfit.
0: They're from General Mills.
5: You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now
0: they're in the milk.
4: Hey, we're really gonna have to spoon our way out of this one, huh, boys? This does not make my tummy go yummy. We need to stay
1: crunchy. Between them and safety stand 20,000 cops. Wait, why? and a hundred thousand sworn enemies. Well, that just seems like an exaggeration. I want them all. So send me their
0: UPCs in a self-addressed stamped envelope to P.O. Box
1: Cookie Crisp. They've got one way out. Oh, let's try using our marshmallow sweeties. Jesus Christ, Frank. It sounds so gross when you say it that way. They've got one night. Oh. Do you mean Halloween? No, no. We have a spooky exclusive eight-week contract with Target every year. Monsters, come out to play. Oh, uh, and two Fruit Brute. Uh,
0: Fruit Brute, oh my
1: God, that is so corny. Your mother's corny. Watch it, man. It may have sounded corny to you philistines in the booth, but the critics have described my Shakespeare as transcendent and whole-grained.
0: Whole-grained as opposed to corny? Oh, my God, that is an even worse pun.
1: Okay, smartass. Well, good luck making this rainbow-colored piece of shit without me. Big Count Chalk out. I'm a goddamn part of this complete fucking breakfast. Uh, did
0: he just leave? And did he just call himself Big Count Chalk? <laughs> well, I guess that's a wrap on Big Count
1: happy frankenberry season everyone and that's enough of this now we know and knowing is half the battle ah this is enough of this